0: The Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi and welcome to Planted with Sarah Pion on Radio Misfits Network. This is Sarah Pion tuning in again this month. I am so happy to announce our guest is Morris Beagle. So I'm in California, but Morris is in Colorado. A little bit about him... So, he is a cannabis hemp advocate and entrepreneur. He's also the co-founder and president of WAFBA, which stands for We Are For Better Alternatives. It's a family of brands including the Norco Hemp Expo, the world's most comprehensive hemp-centric exposition, trade show, and conference, and Let's Talk Hemp Media. WAFBA also includes Silver Mountain Hemp Guitars, maker of handcrafted hemp guitars, cabinets, and components the tree-free hemp paper and printing company and more, spanning education, advocacy, and entertainment. Beagle engages audiences around the world through podcasts, digital, print, media, radio, and live events. Welcome, Morris. So happy to have you on the show today.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Sarah. I'm very happy to be here.
0: And, you know, actually, you are my first guest that is also in the hemp world, so we haven't talked a lot about hemp on the show. This is going to be a treat.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it.
0: So, before we get into all of that, I always like to talk about our connection with cannabis, how we got into it, how we use it. You want to talk a little bit about that for our audience today?
1: Sure. So my first experience was actually in junior high, which I think was pre to middle school, which they call it now. It was seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. And I was in eighth grade. And some of my friends and I got ended up with this little bag of weed that we called it. And we smoked it for the very first time. And I don't think we really got high, but that was really my first experience with smoking it was back in junior high. And then didn't really smoke it much. I played a lot of sports and so forth when I was in school, but uh, the party thing was a thing in high school and we did smoke pot during high school. And so I really came to cannabis from a recreational party standpoint, really in high school and college. And, And then later evolved into understanding hemp and the medical side and actually using it medicinally. I had back surgery in 2001 and Ended up getting a medical card in Colorado in 2009, 2010 when the medical thing really started to kick off here and had had some problems with pain pills and so forth with back pain and really just made the transition to not using any of that stuff anymore and, and really just relying on cannabis and other just exercise and natural holistic approaches rather than the kind of pharma
0: side of things yeah the the pharmaceutical side it's i when i so i got into cannabis when i had cancer and actually i mean like you i had used it recreationally as a kid and actually the same age (laughs) it's funny it's like (laughs) i think the curious age right um right but uh after i got my resectioning of my colon i um i was using opiates and it was really crazy like two weeks of using it and then taking myself off and that's a short amount of time, you know, but my body really, really changed and it was the effects of having to take myself off of it were not fun. And, and cannabis really helped me with that. How did, how did that work for you?
1: Well, so with my back pain, I had a discectomy at my L5S1 in 2001 and, and it was painful, and it, I'd have flare-ups, and I'd have to go get more Vicodin or Percocet or whatever I could get them to prescribe me. Then I also got some cortisone shots in between every few years and stuff. But um, but when I was using the the pharmaceuticals, I just wouldn't use those. I'd end up drinking wine or whiskey and, and alcohol with it, which is all the more bad on your body particularly your liver and you know, drinking's bad enough, but when you throw that other stuff on top of it, it's just like, Man, I gotta get off of this and since I have been and just using cannabis, it's certainly my body has felt way better. The the effects and the tolls that the pharmaceutical stuff takes on your body in combination with alcohol, is significantly worse.
0: Yeah, oh, for sure. And then when you take into consideration you, some of them have ibuprofen in there too and the effects that that has on the stomach and the liver is is also problematic. Um, when you use cannabis now, what are your favorite cannabinoids?
1: Well, I take quite a bit of CBD. I've got a variety of tinctures and products from various companies is being in the hemp industry and putting on events and stuff. I've had access to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of brands. So I would say that there's a lot of kind of your full spectrum CBD tinctures and capsules that I take on a regular basis as a supplement. And then from a medical, you know, marijuana side of things, it's really just flour. I'm a flour preferred guy i'm not much into the concentrates every once in a while i'll do edibles but there's been some edible situations i've had where i've had too much i mean I, there was a we went to a music event the westward music awards or the westward music festival which is an annual festival in denver that uh went on for years now this year of course since we're in pandemic mode and all events are canceled. Uh, but the first time I had a chibachu, and it was like a hundred milligram chew and I didn't realize that. Oh. Me, me and my friend, we were partying during the day, and we ate chews and then all of a sudden, it was just like getting hit by a tank. <laughs> and so it's, I've just been a bit more skittish yeah. from that point on. I mean, I'll, I'll take ten or twenty milligrams here and there, and that you know that's fine. But when it gets to being in the you know 50 or 100 milligrams up can set you on a path that's not a lot of fun sometimes
0: no no i know Uh, It's for myself too i i have a i i like to smoke flour myself i'm concentrates i'll try a tasty dab once in a great while but i find that it's it's more than i need most of the time and it brings my tolerance up and with edibles like five to ten is is a great amount. If I if I go up to like if I had had that Chibachu, I would have been um hallucinating and probably sick. <laughs> that's a lot. But...
1: Yeah, well, that's what it got to. Yeah, and you you'd throw in a whole bunch of alcohol on top of that and then it it just became really no fun at all. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's an after school special.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um just speaking of events, so your your background is in the music industry, right? Correct. And did you do before? So you do a lot of hemp-centric programming now and events. Well, a little bit on pause now with COVID, of course. But it was you. do did a lot of event work with music prior to that. And how do you? Where do you see the intersectionality with that?
1: Um. Well, I. In the music days, I kind of was a jack of all trades. I had a company called Happy Scratch Records slash Happy Scratch Entertainment, and we did a lot of studio production, CD and DVD manufacturing and packaging, product distribution, both physical and digital. We did a lot of events and partnered in concerts and festivals. And from there, that really evolved into... What WAFBA has become. So WAFBA stands for WAFBA, which is the acronym acronym for We Are for Better Alternatives, that includes all of the brands that you mentioned at the beginning you know, of the podcast here. And so the event side of things really got taken into. We started a small trade show in 2014 called NOCO Hemp Expo, and that has now evolved into a very large trade show that had 10,000-plus people in 2019 and has really become the largest hemp-centric-oriented event that's in the space on the planet, which is cool. Um, And then we've got several other events. We've got a Southern Hemp Expo, a Hawaii Hemp Conference, a Winter Hemp Summit, and Hawaii era Hemp Harvest Party and a variety of other events that we've done over the years. So, um, again, it's coming from the event side of things and being able to mix it up and not just do one thing, I think that's been one of the elements that has set, set us apart from other event producers and kind of this space at this point is is being able to bring in a variety of elements that are just a little bit different than kind of a typical conference trade show type thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And in what states... Do you do you have your conferences?
1: So Noco is in Colorado. It started in the northern Colorado area, thus Noco, and we had to move it to Denver in 2019 because we outgrew all the venues in northern Colorado. And we were moving it to another new venue in Denver this year in 2020 and we're now have pushed that back into 2021 because we can't do any large in-person events. Uh, it really anywhere in the country. I don't know if anything's going to happen before the end of the year. There's still a couple of big events that are hopeful that something can happen in November and December, but I'm skeptical that that, that will be the case. Um, best of luck to those that try to pull it off, but we'll see. um So Colorado is is where Noco is based out of. The Southern Hemp Expo is based out of Nashville. And Hawaii Hemp Conference, we've done it on the Big Island and on Oahu out there. Uh, we've also had a another event that we've done on Maui with the Hawaii Farmers Union. And then we we actually did an event in New Orleans called Hemp on the Bayou.
0: Oh, nice. And
1: yeah, and then we've partnered with various other events. We were at the World Ag Expo this year with a Hemp Innovation Challenge, and that's in California in Central. California in the Tulare area, mm-hmm. I think not too far from Bakersfield and Fresno and kind of out there in the middle of that area. So, you know, anywhere that we can drop a hemp footprint, you know, we've been pretty good at being able to work with other producers and promoters and, you know, outside of just doing our own thing
0: yeah i I was in Kauai this past fall, and they were really excited. They, they were having their first big event on that island. It was, It's really interesting to see cannabis culture in Hawaii. It seemed like because I you know I was I talk to people when I travel, and it seemed like a lot of older folks were more into cannabis there, and it wasn't appealing as much to the younger generation, which I found really interesting.
1: There are a lot of definitely older folks in Hawaii. They've just grown. The locals there are all cannabis friendly. Yeah. I mean, the only people that haven't been cannabis friendly are a certain subset of the political realm there that's just opposed to cannabis all the way around. Those folks are opposed to cannabis all across the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we've got it here, too. Definitely. It's. Yeah. You know, it's that whole thing, conversation is normalization. And and like how you have, you know, let's talk. It is really important to have those conversations. Since your physical events are on hold, have you been doing any work around virtual events? We've been seeing a lot of virtual events coming up lately.
1: Yes, we pivoted straight to the cloud right after we had to postpone NOCO in end of March. So we postponed, I believe on March 11th, I believe it was, maybe it was March 9th. And from that point, it's like, well, where are we going to move the event to? And we pushed it back to August as our first pushback. And then we found a virtual platform in which we could do conference and exhibition halls and, some networking rooms and so we bought into a licensing for this platform that we rolled out a pretty quick virtual event at the end of april and it was called earth week and it was more earth sustainability focused and it was a three-day exhibition with we had i think like 24 25 exhibitors and we had Four sessions or six sessions, I think we had we had four sessions, four live sessions, and then we also had a library of pre-recorded content from content that was done and videotaped at our previous events at NOCO, which we professionally captured for the first six years. And so there was a lot of that content from keynotes and panel discussions all up and down the supply chain. Plus we had people submit pre-recorded presentations of current uh, information, whether that's regulatory or lab testing or specific types of processing. So we had a bunch of content specifically submitted that you could just go in there and, and watch for free because we didn't charge anything to attend this. There was a small fee to exhibit and smaller fees to sponsor. But, you know, right out of the box, we did jump into the cloud, and we had like 1,500 people show up to our event in, in April and then we did another event in june we're, we're on the same platform and we enhanced it significantly and we had about 60 to 63 exhibitors and more speakers and more content and roughly the same amount of attendees now that little well, space it's flooded, and it did suggest now that we've gone through it for the last four or five, that everybody's been doing it, so um, we have to continue to do it. We've got the wall they're going to be kind of the third one of the batch goes out the year, and we're going to have some some programming. that will be a load to we've done the first two times. It'll be more expansive on a you know how do we come out of it, and generalized helps and climate change and and moving forward as humanity. Yeah. Um there's a lot of big pro- there's a lot of big problems that we face moving out of 2020.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um
0: Well, it sounds like so. you've been you've been keeping ahead of it by having um several online gatherings for programming One of the things that I've been noticing, because it's kind of a fine balance, it's like people want to stay connected. So they are getting online and attending events. But then we also hear about, you know, people getting really tired because the whole online experience is so different than the exchange that we have when we're in person. it's, it's you know, because you're not necessarily getting, at the risk of sounding hippy-dippy, you know, the the energetic feedback that you do when you're, you know, attending an event and you're networking person in person with people and having conversations. Because I know for myself, I've I've moved all of my educational. Um, events, all my classes online, and it's it's cool because you can, a lot more people can attend than would normally be able to, whether it's from, you know, not being able to, in the case of a conference, afford not only to go to the conference, but all of the things with travel and food and, and all that. But, you know, there's also that we have a little bit more time because we have this great pause. But on the other hand, there's a little bit of exhaustion that's going along with, you know, like I was saying, not being stimulated by the energetic exchange. And what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? And, and what do you feel like has been really important to ensure your success with the events, taking all that into consideration?
1: Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And people do want to remain connected, and it's important for all of us to remain connected and communicate and work through the current situation that we're in because we can't meet in person and do business in person and and just have fun in person. So I, there is a need for that, and I think that people understand that, that and that's a pro where we can definitely have more people sign on and join in because they could do it right from their basement or their home office or their regular office if they're still going into work anywhere. So that that that's definitely a positive, and I think that um, yeah, you know, that that that's that's a positive. That, that you when you come back to not having that energetic connection, there is just that missing component, and. I've been involved with a lot of these things not only the ones that we're doing but several other webinars I've sat, sat in on and Zoom meetings and there's a big event coming up uh the Emerged Cannabis Festival or the Emerged Cannabis Conference starting here in a couple of weeks see, with that
0: Yeah, I heard but, of that.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm speaking at that and we there's a let's talk him sustainability panel and There's a whole bunch of speakers and they've got a a similar platform as to what we're using with, these virtual expo halls and multiple rooms and they've got avatars and so forth. And we, I'm interested to see what their platform is because I haven't actually been on this particular platform and if there's additional engagement opportunities and things that will keep people interested rather than being able to just click their mouse and, and pop right out of there. That's the, that's the problem with the digital spaces. People can lose interest pretty quick and get bored and then boom all of a sudden you can click off to something else and then you're gone yeah yeah
0: yeah that's that is a so issue
1: yeah but when you're at a trade show or a conference or whatever and you're there you're there you're not going anywhere you're gonna you've spent your three to six hundred bucks on your ticket or you've flown out there you've got your hotel room you're a captive participant until you leave
0: yeah, well, there's there's that networking component because I know like when I'll go to events, and the if the speakers that are speaking at that moment are if I'm tired or you know they're just not, it's just not catching my eye at that moment. There's always the expo floor, where you'd go and you know catch up with people you hadn't seen since the last conference or maybe the year before, and I, I'd really it'd be really something to be able to capture that somehow.
1: Right, and we've tried to do that with having multiple little networking rooms, which are just really online chat rooms and multiple expo halls and multiple rooms where you can kind of go do this, but still there's just there's that in missing thing that's in person mm-hmm. and you know, we're social creatures that just like to be around other people, and we're having a harder time acclimating to this. Entirely virtual environment.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of like well, what we were talking about before we went on to record. Just also, just how much social media there's, and how do you, how do you keep track of all of it? You know, it's it's crazy.
1: It is, and then with social media, it becomes just a cesspool of negativity and divisiveness because of all the COVID stuff and all the political stuff and people just frustrated and bitching and griping and wanting to argue about pretty much anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is very, very true. I, I remember oh, it was a long time ago like when social media was first really starting to pop, like even like pre-MySpace and I would be really amazed because back then you would, the people that you met online, chances are, you know, you well at least in the Bay Area you'd probably meet them in person because I was meeting lots of groups of people that would get together and have parties and get togethers, and I was always surprised at some of the people like some of the horrible things they would say online, and you'd meet them in person and you'd be like, "Whoa, you're not what I expected. <laughs> you know, you're you're really nice and quiet. And where's where's the disconnect? Where, where's all this? You know." coming from that that always surprised me or but now with covid it's i think that there is a lot of frustration with covid with politics what have you it's it's a lovely powder keg and and even like i i find that mindfulness around social media use is is a real skill that needs to be exercised because i think that people people say things that they i that can be taken the wrong way or that they wouldn't necessarily say in person or it just can get, it can get really toxic. I, I have to, I always try to, if I I get inflamed by a post, just take a moment and sit back and think about it and think about the impact of like, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? You know, is this, is, is is this helpful? (laughs) Honestly,
1: right? you know, well that's a good that's a good approach is having that mindfulness because if you post the wrong thing, then how much energy is that going to cost you over the course of the next several hours? yeah if you decide to engage in, in a, engage in a way that's not productive that's argumentative and and then that can devolve into all kinds of stuff and then all of a sudden you've wasted hours and hours and hours and i pretty much got away from that i uh, when you mentioned like pre-myspace it's like i, I was on myspace back then <laughs> at the beginning. and, and right. then pre pre-myspace was you had these chat forums and stuff like that and people would have fake names and they'd be really nasty to each other and then you would see each other in person with the in the music community we had different we had like the denver music forum or whatever and all the musicians and bands were on there and people would have fake names and people would talk shit about each other bands and say stupid stuff that people knew who were the fake names. And it's like, I can't believe he's saying that stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, it, <laughs> Pre-MySpace. I
0: know, it's, it's so funny. weird. I know. It, it is so impactful. I, I know for myself, mm-hmm. it's like I try to, more often than not, I, I try to put information out that's going to help lift people just because we all need a lot of help with that right now. It's I think when people feel alone and scared it's really easy to shoot off and say things that not only impact yourself energetically but other people. That's not to say that
1: sure
0: you know I think that I've, I've definitely had a few times where especially in in cannabis where I'll see people say some pretty horrible things and uh, you know I won't be mean about it but I'll check them.
1: Right. Yeah, that's that can get pretty intense at times and some of the stuff it's like I just unfollow or unfriend and sometimes just have to block. Where yeah. it's like I just don't wanna have that really in my ecosystem at all. I'd rather that just be out there. Though people can go say whatever they want, but just keep it away from me.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. Well and that's that's kind of where I've I've gotten to as well. I um I really like Instagram because of the pictures. (laughs) It just seems so much more positive. Instagram, it
1: it is. It's just so much different than Facebook or Twitter.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Or even LinkedIn. I mean, LinkedIn isn't as much, you know, personally attacking, not like Facebook and Twitter. Um,
0: It's really emerged, especially in the past year, it seems like more and more people are getting involved in LinkedIn.
1: Yeah. And it's been relatively friendly to cannabis, unlike Facebook and Instagram blocking hemp companies from advertising and cannabis companies into deleting accounts. And it's just been more problematic with that platform. Whereas LinkedIn has been somewhat tolerant and not blocking people and banning stuff. And people can go on there and do business in the cannabis space. So it seems to be a Pretty relevant platform.
0: Yeah, and I think it—you know—it it helps communication be more sustainable, especially because we're all so f- we're all so isolated right now. It's a it's something that yeah. is really needed, and and actually, just going to sustainability. I just I just kind of wanted to step back a couple steps to you know some of your work with hemp and the conferences and you mentioned sustainability i think that that is just a really great thing because we really need to look at you know cannabis and hemp you know i mean same plant cannabis sativa yeah but you know people always get so confused about that but it it really is like i think you know for as excited as people get about it they forget about the sustainability and how to be a good steward to the land and just, you know, all around, like the, just like the holistic approach to sustainability. And I'd I'd really like to hear what your thoughts are around that.
1: Well, that's really why I jumped into the hemp space rather than the marijuana space, so to speak, is from an environmental standpoint and being able to, what I felt was being at the the front end of an industry that could really have a global impact over decades of changing the course of what we've been doing to our planet and to our bodies um, because of what we put into our bodies with the stuff we grow um, in our agricultural system. Now, a lot of this GMO, Uh, corn and soy and wheat and all this monocrop stuff that's sprayed with all these petrochemical fertilizers and pesticides and stuff that's really not good for our bodies you know how can we get back to organic foods and regenerative foods and and what can help lead the way and hemp is the perfect crop that can do that it's a great rotational crop that's good for the land and it's good for the soil and it's good for the atmosphere it sequesters carbon and it also produces, you know, some of the best protein on the planet with hemp seeds mm-hmm. that can be converted into all kinds of ingredients for superfood products. Um, it produces these wonderful flowers that have all these vital nutrients in them that can be made into supplements and, and into medicine um, that can help us stay healthy. And then all the waste material can be created into products that replace Petroleum-based products, from bioplastics and composites to to chemicals and solvents and paints, and replacing paper products, you know, with a sustainable uh, material that can be grown in 90 to 120 days, rather than trees that take anywhere from seven to 35 years, depending on the type of trees that are being grown for whatever that is, the paper industry or construction industry. Um but hemp is one of these things that has so many different ingredient possibilities that are just better alternatives than stuff that we've been using for the last fifty or a hundred years since the industrial revolution and stuff that's been subsidized by governments across the world like the petroleum industry and the timber industry
0: yeah well i that's one of the things that I found really interesting when I was before we spoke when I was reading about you how you seem to be focused a lot towards the industrial use of hemp which I think is just incredibly smart because we're not you know we, we a lot of people talk about it but how many people are actually doing it and you know people I've heard people say oh well I'm going to start growing hemp I'm like well do you know what you know what cultivars of hemp are good for what kind of products and they they're all it's it's just they're it's almost like just a shot in the dark for a lot of people and what are you experiencing with that?
1: Well, we're still at the infancy of this industry. And with the explosion, as what's happened here in the United States the last four or five years has really been on the CBD front, people were able to make a lot of money, farmers were, and really people throughout the supply chain the last several years until we got to a point this last year where we kind of overgrew the market for the amount of demand that's out there. And one of the reasons that is is because we still don't have clear regulatory guidance from the USDA and the FDA and and how things are going to be managed on a federal level. Um, And this is prohibited a lot of this material making it into the market it's also prohibited a lot of investment money coming into the market because until there's a clear regulatory path investors are a bit hesitant to jump into the marketplace so a we have this really the cbd side of things and not the industrial side of things driving the hemp industry and there hasn't been any sort of financial investment interest in this fiber industrial side to this point um so at this point that being able to really say that hemp can be a viable substitute for petroleum bioplastics uh paper replacements or you know wood pulp replacement um it can be Uh, the technology is there but we until we are able to have an infrastructure with processing, and to be able to plant the needed acreage to create ingredients that are uh, created to spec that can then go into industries without them having to change things up. Where if I'm looking for a, <clears throat> a, or a plastic pellet to to create whatever I'm going to create—briefcases or guitar picks or whatever. What you're doing is you're buying basically plastic pellets to go into um, into molding and create those items. And and until we can create ones that are made out of hemp at a comparable price, it's corporations are going to opt for the most economical product that they can get. Yeah. So that, you know, the we've got a ways to go there. It can be done. I can tell you it can be done because I've got a bunch of hemp plastic stuff right here and I'm making guitars out of hemp and I'm making paper out of hemp. Um, And it's a matter of scaling it. And until we get this regulation in place, which is going to happen, it's going to happen in the next year or two. And we're going to have a pretty clear picture as to what it's going to look like going forward. And I think that it will be fine that we'll get to where we need to be we're just not there yet yeah. so uh, personally
0: you know, I think we're that... going to
1: come out of covid we're going to come out of covid and you know the dust is going to settle and certain people that have been in the market are no longer going to be in the market and certain people that aren't in the market now are going to come into the market and will be big players because they bring technology and they know that there's a clear pathway now because the government's stated here's the regulations and we've all signed off on it
0: yeah yeah, I, I I just really feel like with hemp especially, like the industrial use is the future of it, especially when we're looking at states that are starting to have a more can- medical and recreational cannabis laws. And being that we don't have, there are a lot, there are good players in the, the CBD for consumption market, but we've got a lot of, of stuff to sift through to get to that. Um, sure. You know, and I feel like, We'll, we'll be seeing more people going more towards getting their, their CBD products from, from dispensaries as things start to open up more. But that's not to say that it, it, hemp is, is incredibly important. And the things that we can do with it, With especially I'm really curious about construction with it. And then also what you're doing with the guitars. I, I heard about this before we spoke, and I was fascinated by it. Actually, I think I saw a thread on Facebook where somebody, it might have been you talking about your guitars to somebody when they were asking questions, since we just realized we were friends on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. How's the tone um, on them?
1: They're They're great, and... So, I've been working on the guitar side of things for the last five, really like five years, I guess. There was a company in Canada, Canadian Hymn Guitars, that started building guitars in 2013, and they were little prototype Les Paul Jr. guitars, and then I connected with them and I got a couple of their guitars and had talked to them about making kind of a private label version for us on these, and made a couple of Telecasters and then had to make me an SG-modeled guitar. Mm. And at the same time, I was talking to these guys in Atlanta who were making guitar cabinets, and they had made guitar cabinets back in 2008, 2009. And they, the uh, company called the Hard Truckers. And these guys have made cabinets for a lot of the folks that we were talking about before, um, Jimmy Herring and a lot of the whole... Dead jam bandy side of things. Yeah. Um, Derek trucks and Santana and just a lot of that more hippie jammy type stuff. These guys were making cabinets and they were typically making birch cabinets, but they were making hemp cabinets in 2008, and 2009 for a little while. They had found a hemp board source out of Asia. And then that source ended up having some issues with the board, uh, thickness being inconsistent by a few millimeters, which, when it comes to constructing cabinetry, it really needs to be very precise. And right. and so they they only made a handful of cabinets back in the day. And I came up with a U.S. source of this hemp board. A friend of mine out of California, Larry Serbin um, from Hemp Traders, started a com Started an offshoot brand called Canagrove, which makes hemp particle board, and got a pallet worth of sheets from him and I hooked up with these hard trucker guys and we made like 45 guitar cabinets, one by twelves, two by twelves, a couple four by twelves. And then uh, another company popped up in Kentucky called the Hemp Wood Company that's making basically a hemp wood that you can cut into making floor panels and cabinetry and furniture. And so we got a bunch of that and started carving out and making guitars and we've made three guitars right now we made a, a strat and now we've got our own hemp caster which is it's not it, so we're not knocking off fender and gibson because mm-hmm. i don't want those guys to come after us and typically you can you can knock off the bodies you just can't knock off the headstocks but the the patent on the bodies ran out a long time ago and so they haven't been coming after smaller guitar companies that will come knock off their body types, but you can't knock off the headstocks. But there's been rumors that those guys are start going to start coming after other small companies are just are knocking off their bodies. So anyway, we've got a a new hemp caster body style that's kind of a cross between a Telecaster and a Stratocaster, and we just got our first two prototype guitars in a couple of weeks ago, and they uh, sound great. They're great hardware, um, and we also made a couple of combo amps uh, using hemp cone speakers, using the hemp wood, using the hemp particle board, and we're officially in business with a hemp guitar company now.
0: That is very cool. Yeah, I was was reading about your hemp cone speakers, and I I thought that was fascinating. So is that are you using those as amps as well?
1: Yes, so the the combo amps have, it's an amplifier, It's also got, it's got the speakers in there. Mm -hmm. So, um, and the speakers are hemp cone. These, the the ones that are in these are Cannabis Rex speakers from Eminence. And the cones on them are made out of a, a hemp paper, which is actually white labeled by a company called Tone Tubby. And Tone Tubby is based out of San Francisco. You're in San Francisco, right?
0: Yeah, well, I, I was. I'm now in Oakland. But yeah, and, and that's that's uh, the, from what I was reading, that's what Santana uses, right?
1: Yeah, so Tone Tubby's been, I think this is their 20-year anniversary. And they've been making hemp cone speakers for 20 years. Um, and they also had a, a consumer line called Hemp Hop Speakers hmm. um, for, you know, typical car audio stuff and bass speakers for going thump, thump, thump. And I'm not sure if they're still making them, but so Tone Tubby has been really the only company I'm aware of that's been making hemp speaker cones ever. Um, and so that's what we put in our guitar cabinets. We've either got Tone Tubby's in there or we got cannabis racks. Cannabis racks are a little less expensive speakers, but they still sound great and they, they sound different. So as your husband, guitar player, would, you know, everybody has their preferences. Yeah. You know, what sounds better. It, it really comes down to personal preference. It People does. are picky about what they're picky about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have, being that Jeff is, you know, he, he's been playing for years and he's on that jam band circuit <laughs> with Derek yeah. and the likes. Um, you know, he's, we have friends that are luthiers. And, um, and, and he's, of course, you know, his, we were actually just talking the other day because with the fires, I was like, you know, he has, he's got, you know, nine guitars sitting here and I was like, well, what are we going to do if we have to go? He's like, I'm just grabbing the Gibson. That's all
1: <laughs> that's the only one that's going to get saved.
0: Yeah. Well, he said if, if worse comes to worse and he's got to just grab one, it's going to be the Gibson. <laughs> that's his favorite. Yeah. But I can sometimes see, you got to make a choice. Yeah, I mean you do, you do. I mean we were just kind of like, well, we don't have a lot of family photos. I'm like, you know, grab grab the laptop, grab my writing. He's like, grab the Gibson, grab the cat. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> sometimes you got to think on That's your you feet. Need. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I can imagine like it would be really interesting to see, especially with you know that group of musicians that are doing things like, you know, lock in and so forth. um, If hemp starts to really catch on with them using that as a guitar also, you know, for amplification um, and, and that sound, the sound that comes out of that, I'm wondering like what that'll, what kind of trends that'll bring because, you know, people are always looking to innovate and, you know, there's just, they're just some really you know like you, very creative souls out there that are that are changing the way we look at you know, our musical equipment,
1: right. And I'm looking forward to seeing what other guitar players think of this and have a lot of different people play through these cabinets and the amps and Uh, use the guitars and running the guitars through different amplifiers and different cabinets and running different amplifiers through the cabinets that we have, you know, whether that's a Fender head or a Vox head or a Marshall head or a Laney head. And, um, you know, the sky's the limit. To to me, here's just another uh, material that's got its own unique tonal qualities to it and you know, let the creatives go to town with it. You know, you're going to run this, this head and this guitar through this cabinet that's got hemp cones in it. And then you've got this other combination here and then you've got this pedal and it's, it's just another thing to add to your toolkit. Mm -hmm. And I'm not here to say, Oh, we got to replace all guitars with, with a hemp based material and wood is bad. I mean, I, I would never say that at all because there's all kinds of super cool hardwoods and tone woods out there. And, um, you know, it's, here's just another thing to to add to the mix. It's something different and it's unique and it's cool and I think that it's got potential and a lot of people are going to like it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That 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 was ex- exactly what I was hearing from you. That it's like you know, add add to the variety of things you can choose from. And then you were saying too for people who might be musicians and be geeking out, but may not be in the market for you know a new amp or a or you know. A guitar. You have other other things that you make that, like the picks and what else?
1: Uh we've got guitar straps, mm-hmm. and uh, what else? We were gonna. We haven't got the volume knobs and the the pick guards done yet. And the picks themselves, I'm looking. We had printed a whole bunch of three D printed picks, which is not the ideal way to go. Um, we're looking for the right molding relationship to to have a a good shop do it with the exact right blend of materials. So that's a little ways off. I think that we'll have that done by the middle of next year. Um, We've made some progress, but there's still a few fine-tuning things that we need to do, so to speak.
0: That's very cool. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the 3D printing. Tell me more about that with hemp, because that's something that just really captures my imagination.
1: So there is 3D printing filament out there that's made from hemp, and there's a company called C2 Renew, Mm -hmm. and I think they're out of North Dakota, Um, and they've got a variety of different 3D printing filaments. They've got filaments made out of beer waste, out of coffee grinds, out of hemp, and... Yeah. And anybody, I I think that they've got resellers, but if you go to their site, you can find the companies that like resell all of their different 3d printed materials or their filament and stuff. And, you know, anybody can go and buy hemp 3d printing filament. And if you've got a 3d printer, you can run it right through your machine and print whatever you want out of hemp filament.
0: That's awesome. what other things are exciting you that you're seeing with hemp these days?
1: Um, I, the, the building material side of things is really, I think has got lots of opportunity that's uh we've got a U.S. hemp building association that really got fired up last year. And when it comes to the industrial side of things, that's where I think that the lowest hanging fruit is going to be um the building industry is such a toxic industry the the way we build our homes the way we build our commercial buildings there's just so much petroleum that's used in these materials that we have to get away from that so that's exciting that there that there are options out there for green building that's not like greenwashed materials where these actually are good viable materials that are way better for your health if you're going to be living inside of (laughs) of structures which we all live inside of structures so i'm excited about the the future of that and i'm also excited really about the the possibilities of composites and bioplastics and there's a lot of people doing work on that right now and i'm also excited about new technologies being created at the university level and um, with research as to different ways to process the hemp plant with enzymatic processes that are non mechanical where you can dump material into solutions that are eco friendly solutions and it basically separates out all parts of the plant from the fibrous material to the lignins to the sugars and it spits them into different buckets and then from there uh you can take those and create vast arrays of different industrial ingredients to go into all these different industries.
0: That's that's so cool. I, I was just thinking when you're talking about building, how you're right. It's There's a lot of toxicity in our building materials. And I actually had a colleague who was mentioning to me one of the huge pluses with having a hemp-built home is for people with environmental illnesses or chemical sensitivities, it's been an amazing respite for them because it's a struggle.
1: Yeah. And if you do a search online about hemp houses, the, there's, there was a hemp house built in North Carolina. I think it was the first hemp house in the United States. And the folks that built it was specifically based around health reasons. Um, just like exactly what you just mentioned. Um, And healthy homes will definitely make a difference for people that have those specific conditions.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So for you personally, and and I guess in some ways it's like, yeah, we make some momentum during this time, but I guess I'm almost reaching like post-COVID whenever that comes what do you what do you want to do like with what you what you're working on now or things that you're and, and I understand if there's some things that you can't talk about <laughs> because when you know especially if you're if you're kind of pioneering some work but what what do you envision in the future for your own work?
1: I think that we'll continue doing a lot of the same things we are doing now uh, we've basically buckled down to to make it through this storm. And when we come out on the other side, I think that things will get back to quasi normal and that events will come back and we'll be in the event space and NOCO will will resume and Southern Hemp Expo will resume and other event oriented type situations will come up and we'll be involved with some different things. than we are right now, some new things and maybe some of that is more outdoor, Socially distanced a bit more, um, festivally type stuff, and there's also a, a project in development called Experience Hemp, which I won't go into really any detail, but it's, it's going to be an expansion on a lot of the stuff that we've already done to this point, and it will become Um, something that will be a centerpiece of of our long-term vision. So Experience Hemp, the Experience Hemp Project, and it'll be about all things hemp, and it'll be super cool.
0: When we were talking about your events online earlier, I think we broke up just a little bit. Um, So I was wondering if you would be able to just mention again so our listeners can keep an eye out for some of the future events that you have planned for programming.
1: Yeah, if you go to nocohempexpo.com, that's where we—I mean, that's our—that's our main event. But there's also a button up at the top called Experience Hemp, and that you click on that, and that will go to uh, the current big uh, online virtual event that we're promoting. And we came out of the summer solstice in June. Now our next one is going to be in November. It's November 10th through the 12th. It's WAFPA virtual. And you can find out more information
0: there at NOCOHEMPEXPO.com. Thank you for that. And in addition to attending events like yours, for somebody who's interested in learning more about hemp or perhaps working in hemp or even having some sort of entrepreneurial um, activity in hemp, what would be some great resources for them?
1: I would recommend HempSupporter.com, that's a website by the Hemp Roundtable, who's like the lead lobbying group for our industry, and they've got all kinds of great information on that website. Uh, Boathemp.com is another one, and they've been in the lobbying side of things for a long time, that's headed up by Eric Steenstra, there's all kinds of great information on that site. Uh, The U.S. Hemp Building Association has a website, I think it's ushba.com, U-S-H-B-A.com, or Ushba, or U.S. Building Association, if you're interested in that side of things. And then there's also a U.S. uh, Hemp Growers Association. So if you're a farmer out there and wanting to find out really more information on the farming side, uh, the U.S. Hemp Growers Association is a great place to start.
0: What's, what's the main piece of advice you give to people when they ask you about that, about getting into hemp? If you can do it in a nutshell. Uh, I know it's a lot.
1: <laughs> well, do your due diligence. Uh, you know, talk to as many people as you can and, you know, get into it and be authentic and be transparent and and do what you're passionate about. Everybody plays a role. Everybody can contribute.
0: Thank you for that. Yeah, I think it's really important for people sure. to understand that, you know, they too can be impactful. Um, you know, a lot of us are running around doing stuff now, but there's so much more to do. Um
1: well, we all, we all have a skill set, and how can that skill set be best utilized and applicable to the cannabis space? I mean, where, where do you fall? Where, where can you best be of service to the plant and to the planet?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being You know, here.
1: I'm, a, I'm a promoter. I, I, I come from the music side of things. I like to promote, so I'm, you know, I'm promoting the plant. You know, that's what I want to do.
0: Yeah. Thanks for using your powers for good. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Any anything else that you you want to talk about before we end today?
1: Um. I I think I'm good. Thank you for doing what you do. You know, you hear you you've got a voice. You're bringing other industry thought leaders onto your program and sharing their experience and you know. I think that's great. Keep doing what you're doing.
0: Oh, thanks. Well, you know, it's, I, I just love it. I, I just love being able to, you know, these are the conversations that a lot of these are conversations that we have when we, we meet at events. Right. And sure. a, a lot of people don't get to be privy to, you know, the conversations. And I think that, um, and that's just like, even with the podcast, all the different cannabis podcasts that then there are many, they all they all come from a different angle with a different a different toolbox of skills which I just I love. I love just being able to hear, you know, what other conversations are sounding like and, and what people are learning and, and like you said, you know, what are those skills that they bring to the table that are so essential because we are we aren't just an industry, we're a community and we can all do a lot to help each other out.
1: Right. And we need to lift each other up and not tear each other down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I really I so agree with you on that. I I feel like the like how you were saying, you know, about hemp having these opportunities to change the way, you know, we look at, you know, growing. Um just like with uh, cultivation in general, we have a unique opportunity to change the way we do business um, and the way we support our communities and, you know, how we get active politically. Oops, somebody's at my door. <laughs> <laughs> but there's just, there's a, there's a lot to unpack around that. and I, And I feel like, especially when we're looking at cannabis, um, when people will come to the dispensary and they'll talk about, you know, why is, why is this so expensive and, and, you know, being upset about policies. It's a, it's a, I joke that it's stoner civics 101, but I'm like, well, Hey, guess what? This is an awesome opportunity for you to get involved in your local politics and let people know, not only do I use cannabis, but a vote. And I've got a job and I'm, you know, a highly functioning member of our society that brings good. So you, you know, I, I matter. My voice matters.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. That's such good stuff. Thank you so much. Um, would you like to give everybody your social media info so that they can check you out, stay in contact? And especially if, you know, people want to be looking at those beautiful guitars.
1: Sure. Uh, You can find me at Morris Beagle, and that's B-E-E-G-L-E. And you can also go to MorrisBeagle.com, SilverMountainHemp.com for the guitars, TreeFreeHemp.com for hemp paper, and NoCoHempExpo.com for events, and Let'sTalkHemp.com for news, education, lifestyle, good information.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you, Morris Beagle, for being here today. I... It, this has just been so much fun. And I hope that when things kind of loosen up a little bit more, we have more in-person events that you'll come back and talk about that too. Cause I think that, you know, we'll all be really starved for some face to face company yeah. and, 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 thought sharing. Um, and for those of you out there who want to follow planted on social media uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram, Planted with Sarah. Our website is www.plantedwithsarah.com. We're also on Twitter, uh, Planted with Sarah. Check it out. Uh, we will be back next month, and a little treat for you all. We are going to two episodes a month because people have a lot to say. So follow tune in next month we're going to have one in the beginning of the month and at the end of the month um, and we're going to be doing that going forward um, stay interested stay educated and most of all be kind to one another out there signing off till next month take care